Picture this, it's Sunday afternoon, you are meticulously measuring the same portion of rice, baked chicken, and steamed broccoli into a bunch of individual containers, and those are your meals for the week. You definitely feel accomplished when you stack all those uniform containers in your fridge, but by Tuesday afternoon, you are dreading eating your perfectly prepped and portioned meals. You probably end up throwing some of them out and ordering DoorDash a few times. Sound a little too familiar? If so, this episode is for you. I'm gonna walk you through how to feel prepared with food for the week, but not restricted or bored. Let's get into it. So before we jump into all of the different steps that I recommend in this process, let's just talk for a second about why traditional meal prep may not have worked for you in the past. If you've ever done something similar to what I described in the intro to this episode, you know that that traditional style of meal prep can get boring really quickly. And here's the thing. We have to eat every single day for the rest of our lives. So if doing something like that tends to only last two or three weeks because you are so unsatisfied with the meals you're creating, it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to continue to do that, right? So looking at meal prep and preparing food ahead of time in a way that is more flexible and more satisfying is going to take you so much farther than white knuckling. You know, I use that term a lot, but just trying to grin and bear the boredom of traditional meal prep. So let's talk about the concept of batch cooking a little bit, just so you can kind of picture where we're going, and then we'll get into all the steps. A lot of times with clients, when they ask me about meal prep, I call it either meal planning or batch cooking when we start to create their personal approach to this. And what I mean by batch cooking is, yes, we are going to prepare to some extent our food in larger portions ahead of time, but we aren't going to create the entire meal, right? So cooking in batches to eliminate how often we are firing up the stove and the oven and washing a ton of dishes and setting aside an hour to cook, that's really helpful. But putting it all into pre-portioned containers of this is exactly what I'm going to eat five days from now is where it tends to fall apart. So let's talk about how we can implement that concept of batch cooking or planning instead of straight prepping, which again is normally where we kind of lose the thread because it gets boring fast. So there's a couple of major steps that I recommend, and you can, you know, tailor this to your lifestyle, how many people you're cooking for in your home. It's not going to look exactly how I do it, and that is totally okay. In fact, that's the point. But the few steps that I tend to recommend when I work through this with clients or myself is, one, making a flexible but realistic plan for yourself. Two, batch cooking or prepping where you can. And three, keeping your mental and physical satisfaction in mind. So I'll walk you through those three steps. And then at the end, we will finish up with an example. So step one, making a plan that is helpful enough, but also flexible so that by Wednesday, you aren't just ordering DoorDash despite having plenty of cooked meals in your fridge, right? A few things you might consider in this step, your schedule. The weather, I know that sounds silly, but like how perfect is your favorite soup on like a super cold rainy day, right? So schedule the weather, what food you already have that maybe you need to use up in the next week or so, 
what types of meals you really love and get excited for. And after you've considered some of those factors, try to brainstorm out at least a few core meals. You don't have to plan every single meal, but maybe you figure out a couple of your dinners or maybe two different lunch meals that you can kind of repeat and rotate. And then based on what you've brainstormed there and those different factors, you can go ahead and make your shopping list. Don't forget to check your pantry, freezer, those produce drawers, right? So that you are utilizing everything you already have and not over shopping because that's when it starts to feel overwhelming or wow, eating healthy or making a bunch of different meals is so pricey, right? Okay, so we've kind of planned it out. Again, that was very basic, but that is step one. Step two is batch cooking where you can. Now, depending again on you know your family situation, how many people you're cooking for, how many people in the house are cool with leftovers versus not, you might find yourself doing a lot of batch cooking when you purchase your food, or you might only do a little bit. A couple things that I do most weeks, not every week, but most of the time, is cook or at least cut up and marinate my proteins ahead of time. Any starches that take more than like 15 or 20 minutes to cook, I will normally do big batches of those too. So like rice or roasted potatoes or things like that. Something quick like a pasta, I'm not worried about. But anything that will stay pretty well and takes a while to cook, I would recommend doing ahead if you can. And then I always wash and pre-chop any produce. Kind of uh, an annoying step sometimes, but throw in a quick podcast like this one, get it all done, and it's so much easier when you go to put together meals or cook the rest of the week. Here is a really key part, too, of batch cooking. Keep seasonings and flavors either very simple or very versatile because you can always add plenty more flavor when you go to assemble meals the day of if you make them overly specific when you first cook them, it's a lot harder to get variety in meals from those staples throughout the week, right? And then in the blog post that we are going to link in the show notes, I go into way more detail about food storage, food safety, just some tips so that you can get the most longevity out of the food you're cooking and make sure it's still like safe. So definitely check out the blog post for that if you are feeling like you need a little more support in the exact ins and outs of what to be batch cooking and how to do it safely. This third step, keeping mental and physical satisfaction in mind, is probably, in my opinion, the the most important step. So this is where I would spend the most time. And some of this does go into that first step when you're initially planning. But as you do this process a little bit more, it will start to make more sense and this step will become a lot easier. But I wanted to spend a good amount of time here because I think that for most clients that I've spoken to or even just friends who ask me about this stuff, this is where a lot of us, quote unquote, fall off the wagon with meal prep, right? Is it gets boring really fast and we abandon it. So how do we make sure that both mentally and physically you are enjoying these meals so that you continue following some sort of a system that makes your life easier? A couple of things in the mental category that I would recommend. One, switching up how you combine the things you batch cook. So trying new combinations, trying new veggies, maybe branching out on your proteins, combining things that you might otherwise not have. And I'll give some examples at the end of the episode. Utilizing what I call like flavor boosters. So whether that's guacamole or hummus or salsa, cheese, fresh herbs, dressings, like the list goes on and on and on of little items that you can add at the end of that meal prep to make 
the meal more interesting, right? We don't have to just eat plain rice and steamed broccoli and baked chicken. Like, no wonder we stopped eating those meals three days in, right? So leaning on things like flavor boosters or even flavorful, like, convenience foods, if that helps you to keep it interesting. So one of the places that I go when I'm feeling a little bit in a rut with some of our food prep is Trader Joe's because they always have just, like, different staples that I'm like, I haven't used that kind of protein in a while or like that type of frozen pasta. Like I think about like their sweet potato gnocchi or the butter and sage type of raviolis they have, like things that I just wouldn't think of myself, but I can quickly pick up a couple packages of those and throw them in midweek and it feels like a totally different meal, right? Without a lot of effort. So Flavor boosters or flavorful, unique convenience foods were really, really helpful in the mental satisfaction category. Leaving room for some meals out. There are going to be days where you're stressed or short on time or you look at what you have and you're like, this just doesn't sound like it today and I am cool with spending a little money to really enjoy my dinner. Leave a little room for that. Give yourself a little grace when you want to utilize it and get back to whatever you have cooked the next day, right? There's no point in forcing it on the days where it's really not working. And then finally, I try to do this once a month or so. Revisit some sources of inspiration every once in a while just so that you don't find yourself in so big of a rut that, again, you throw the whole process out. Whether that is food blogs or certain uh, Instagram accounts that you really like, Pinterest, I've found, is kind of hit or miss because I feel like I see the same stuff a lot, but maybe that works for you or maybe inspiration from your favorite restaurants, right? There's plenty of places you can go to just kind of revamp and revisit that inspiration so that you can come up with something a little different for next week. And then in terms of the physical part of satisfaction, that's really important too. Because if you're making these meals that look really exciting or that you really love to eat, but then you're hungry in two hours or you are so uncomfortable from like maybe a much higher fat meal than you would normally eat that like the rest of your day gets derailed because you don't feel well, that's probably not going to last either, right? You're not going to be able to keep coming back to this process if that's how it's making you feel. So a couple of really basic ways to make sure that your physical satisfaction is covered is to include at least three of these four groups at most meals, carbs, proteins, fat, and color. If you can hit all four, fantastic, but obviously we're looking for progress and things that feel good to you over perfection, so don't stress if you're only hitting three out of the four on average. Another consideration here, if you used to restrict food really heavily or count macros and we're on like a pretty, you know, like low calorie or low carb regimen, Try your best not to let those old portion rules dictate how much you eat. Play around with portions. Normally, a good rule of thumb is if a meal keeps you satisfied for three to four hours, it was probably in the right ballpark for you in terms of portion. If you're hungry in an hour or two or if you're so stuffed that six, seven hours later you don't want the next meal, I would adjust next time, right? No big deal, but just something to play with. Don't be afraid to go back for seconds, deviate from those old portion rules, or add in food groups that you use to restrict to optimize your physical satisfaction. And then lastly, do what you can. Again, doesn't have to be perfect, but do what you can to minimize stressors and distractions at mealtimes so that you can eat mindfully and really 
leave with that level of satisfaction that you're hoping for. If we are on our phones or mindlessly watching TV the whole time or eating while working, it's unlikely, even if you make a fantastic meal that is like appropriate for what your body needs, it's unlikely that you're going to feel that maximum satisfaction from it, right? Because you weren't present. You didn't get to enjoy it. You didn't get to notice how your hunger and fullness was changing throughout the meal and how it was making your body feel. It was very much like an autopilot meal and that's how it will feel, right? So lots of different ways to keep both mental and physical satisfaction in mind. Depending on where you're at, you may need to prioritize one over the other or focus on improving one, but those are both going to be really important in the longevity of any food habit you build. Okay, let's finish out this episode with an example. I just wanted to show you what this could look like, basically, in case you're like, yeah, this sounds like a nice idea, but I cannot conceptualize it without examples. And then in that blog post, again, we are going to have even more examples in there. So feel free to lean on that as a resource too, especially as you're first getting started. So let's say you want to buy like two proteins, two or three starches and a handful of veggies and then use whatever else you have in the pantry and the freezer to get you through a week, right? Here's an example of what you might end up doing. Protein, let's say we buy chicken breast and some kind of pork. Starches, maybe we buy some frozen sweet potato fries, wild rice, and tortillas. And then for produce, let's grab some greens, bell peppers, broccoli, avocado, and a couple of salad kits. So that's not a super long list in terms of like your fresh items. Depending on what you already have, you might need to supplement that a little bit to make the five meals I'm going to describe. But more or less, you're going to be able to get a pretty good variety out of a relatively short grocery list. So let's talk about five meals that are all pretty different that you can get out of the above items that I suggested you buy. Night one or, you know, lunch one could be tacos with either protein topped with avocado, greens, and some salsa, maybe a little cheese. You can serve it with a side of rice and some beans. A loaded grain bowl where, again, you've got that rice that you batch cooked and the chicken, maybe you grilled it, maybe you threw it in the air fryer, whatever that is, plus a couple of veggies and any flavor boosters you like. So maybe it's, you know, bell peppers and broccoli and you add feta cheese and hummus. Delicious. Lunch three or dinner three could be pulled pork sandwiches. So usually when I get pork because I'm just not the best at cooking certain proteins, I tend to shred it with some kind of really simple marinade in the slow cooker. So you could very easily take some of that shredded pulled pork, put it on a bun, use one of those side salad kits and some of the frozen sweet potato fries. Meals ready in like 15 minutes, right? Two more here. Balsamic bowls, kind of a weird name. They're a favorite in our house, but I don't have a better name for them. Basically what we do is we make this big skillet of chicken. Sometimes it's chicken sausage too if we're like really not on our prep game. But chicken, sweet potato fries, broccoli, balsamic vinegar, and a bunch of feta cheese. Mix it all up. It's so good. The flavor combination is just perfect. And then lastly, maybe a kitchen sink kind of salad, right? Where it's whatever protein you have some leftovers of still using either your greens and chopped veggies or one of those salad kits you picked up adding a little crunch on top with something from the pantry like nuts or seeds or croutons and whatever dressing you like. Again, nice and simple, but you can see how out of just a couple of 
purchases in each category, protein, starch, and produce, we were able to make some meals that have pretty good variety. That doesn't all feel like the same meal, at least not in my mind. So again, that's just one example. Depending on your food preferences, what types of meals you gravitate towards, what you already have in your freezer and pantry, you might do something that looks really, really different. But if you think about it, what we did at the top of the week, cooking the proteins and the starches, chopping up all the veggies, didn't take that long, probably an hour or two. And then those meals that I described, those five meals, probably took 15 minutes or less each. And it wasn't just a repeat for the next five days of all the same stuff. So that's how that can kind of come together if you utilize those steps I talked about in the top of the episode. Okay, a couple of final reminders here. If you have only ever prepped meals in that really like traditional kind of boring macro-based way that I described in the intro of this episode, this is going to feel different. It's probably going to take a few tries before you get into a groove with it. But remember, progress over perfection here. We are looking for an approach to food that is going to last you for a very long time. So you may not get it perfectly right, air quotes, on the first try. A few things that helped me to kind of reflect on when I was first doing it this way because it did feel so foreign coming from how I typically would meal prep. A couple of reflection questions. Did I feel relatively prepared with food this week? It wasn't like I knew exactly what I was going to eat on Friday on Monday morning because honestly, for me, that did not help me be intuitive. That felt very restrictive, black and white, inflexible, and I really didn't like that anymore as I was becoming an intuitive eater. But did you feel relatively prepared with food this week? Were most of my meals satisfying and energizing? Again, doesn't have to be perfect 10 out of 10 every time, but were most of them hitting the spot, giving me good energy, helping me stay full? And then finally, did knowing that I had food pre-prepped help me stress less? eat out of scarcity less often or waste less food? And you can fill in other pieces of that question depending on what your big struggles are right now, right? Maybe it's, you know, did knowing that I had stuff partially made help me rely on eating out less often because we've been trying to save money or because I don't feel great after door dashing Chick-fil-A for the third day in a row, right? So just reflecting as you're working on this, maybe keeping some notes in your phone of what works and what doesn't, you will figure it out. It will take a little bit of time, but in the long run, finding a system that works best for you and whoever else you're cooking for in your home is going to be so much more helpful than following a really basic, generic, restrictive meal prep strategy on Pinterest where you ate the same lunches and dinners all week. And again, I know I've mentioned it a few times, but for some more context, please check out the linked blog post for some of my favorite places to get inspiration, my favorite meal prep tools, and all of the food safety and examples that I referenced at the top of the episode. If you enjoyed this episode, I highly recommend you go check out our full blog post linked in the show notes where we go into even more detail, resources, and examples. And if you are wanting to make the grocery shopping part of this process easier and faster, I would highly recommend using a grocery delivery service like Instacart. Use the link in our show notes for $10 off your first order and free delivery. Happy prepping, and I will see you next week.